Episode 307, The Rant, Dan Splendori, head coach of the JV girls volleyball team at Uniondale High School, a firebird forever. It was some 20 years ago when Dan was a freshman at the end of the bench of Mike Ellenberg volleyball team. Two decades later, he's making his own impact with his own team. In this pod, we discuss his early life playing sports, his journey to get to Kellenberg and playing volleyball, playing hockey, and what it's like impacting young men and women through teaching and coaching. All that and more, my conversation with Dan, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest live in his home in Massapequa, New York, man. Somebody that I've seen grow up to be an outstanding young man, an educator. Somebody that still stays connected with uh, coaching. And we got a lot of things to talk about. But this young man used to play for me in volleyball maybe like 20 years ago now. Yeah, it's starting to become 20 wow. years ago, but now he's a, a coach himself, the JV girls volleyball coach at Uniondale High School, also the boys JV coach uh, for lacrosse at yep. Uniondale, which is like lacrosse and Uniondale. That just doesn't sound like a mixture. And I'm only saying that because I'm from Uniondale. So, <laughs> um, but also an educator there as an English teacher, Mr. Dan Splendori. How are you, my friend? Good, good. I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, man. Yeah, this it's probably weird that I'm a ref, right, to you? Well, you're your you're coach. You're not. Pino, you're not 44. You're your your coach. You're yeah. my favorite coach, man. That's we'll get into all that. <laughs> but um, one thing I wanted to talk about is that you were JoJo's English teacher, right? And I was. I had him uh, in last school year before the pandemic hit. I had him from uh, September to uh, to March. He was, you know, I saw him every day. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, it was tough. But we we kept in touch. I mean, I created a teacher Instagram page to uh, keep in touch with the kids and. You know, shoot the messages about homework, do whatever it was, and and JoJo would always reach out. He always uh, shot me a text or well a message. Uh, he was in my DMs, mm-hmm. messaging me, just chatting about school, about basketball, and we kept in touch. We kept in touch for a while, and it was uh, probably one of the toughest experiences I had as an educator. Was uh, unfortunately when we when we lost him, but uh, uh, I've, I've been trying to do anything I possibly can to, to keep his memory alive. Um, you know, he wasn't just my student. You know, he was a part of my family. My, my wife knew him. My mom knew him. Uh, he, he kept in touch with my little cousins. They idolized him on the basketball courts. They'd see him training. 
And uh, they'd always they'd text me, oh, my God, I saw JoJo on the court. And I'm like, just my, my, my first period student. Like, it's not, yeah, I didn't realize the, you know, the impact he made on, on people outside of, of my classroom until the year moved on and you saw him in the hallways. I mean, I can go on. I have stories for days about him, and I only had him in class for a couple months. Well, let's pinpoint two, two ones. First, I wanted to say, what was he like in the classroom? That's the first thing I wanted to ask you. <laughs> awesome. I mean, he was a 90 student. You can check the numbers. I want to say either 89 or 90 average in my class. I had him first period. So uh, him showing up on time wasn't always uh, the easiest thing for him, but he always came in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Spindori. I'm sorry. Came in, got his work done. I mean, really smart kid and also like mature. Like everybody thought of him as the basketball player, but he, you know, he was the one that goes, guys, be quiet. He's talking or, or, you know, sorry or thank you. Like he was so respectful and, and, you know, he was just wise about like a, way beyond his years. That's something that struck me because when, as you heard in a previous podcast, when I had him, he was only in eighth grade and I, I thought like he was a junior or a senior because, you know, now that I know that you are his teacher, I had him when he was younger than, I had you when you were younger than what he was when I, no, he was younger and you were a little bit older, but I think about the maturity level that you had in ninth grade versus him, right? And <laughs> you say that I keep, like it's funny as, you know, as you came in, I'm thinking to myself, like I still feel like this ninth grade, Little Danny, that you know, when you when you came in, and you always had his presence, and like now you say that, like looking at JoJo, you know, he was more mature than me in eighth grade than I probably was my senior year of high school. That's probably true. I mean, he was he was definitely um, beyond his years when it came to that. Did you ever get a chance to watch him play basketball? Oh well, that's that's how I found out who he was because on on the roster it was Jomani Wright, and I didn't know that that was the JoJo and. Uh, one of my kids came into the room and they're like, oh, you have JoJo in class, like, you know, in the middle of the first first quarter. And I was like, "That that's that's JoJo. So he's like, yeah, like, he, he, he was so funny to see how humbled, like, he didn't want to brag about it. He didn't want anybody to know that that was him. And I was like, oh, like, I went to all your games when you were in eighth grade, coming off the bench, hitting that three. Um, trying to remember who it was. It was in the Long Island Championship game in the eighth grade, his eighth grade year. And I was like, that that that's JoJo. And from that point, I think he, you know, he appreciated that I knew who he was. And I mean, he always was respectful, but we, that, that's when the bond grew. And, and it was crazy to, to know that, that the same kid in my class, the same kid, what he was doing on the court. I mean, I went to almost every home game that, uh, that they played that year just because it was so, I mean, it's fun to support the kids. I'm always going to be a Uniondale fan. Watching my student, JoJo, play was something special. Were you surprised how good he was? Like in, because it was crazy how good he was. I've never seen a coach on another team shake the hand of a player mid-game, as they did when they they subbed JoJo out. I can't remember what game it was where they subbed him out. They were up, you know, by ten or twelve points. JoJo comes out, and the coach, you know, gave him a little pound and said, you know, good game. Hmm. Yeah, he was a special guy, and, and we'll definitely miss him. I did want to intertwine that with your experience with the pandemic. So just going back to, you know, February when you didn't know that it was going to be a thing and then coming to March and then inexplicably, I remember that Sunday when Cuomo said that everything's going to be shut down. De Blasio said that NYC, which is like completely out of left field because they never cancel. I mean, I know in Long Island, if there's like a semblance of snow, we're done. Yeah. But New York City is always trudging along. Going back to those times like early on in March, um, first of all, how were you holding up during this whole pandemic how's your family doing and when was the moment that you think you took all of this like really serious like wow I'm gonna be home for a very long time my wife was pregnant during this so it was scary for us we we had the gender reveal like middle of February found that I'm having a girl was super anxious super excited actually before to kind of intertwine again I remember I, I the class all my students asked you know are you having a boy or a girl 
right? And I told JoJo's class, and uh, JoJo, go, JoJo was late to class, so he came by, and he's like, hey, so what happened over the weekend? You having a boy? I was like, no, I'm having a girl. And he's like, yo, that's tough. I go, bro, I'm scared. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do with girls. Like, he said I, that's tough? Yeah. And I was Very like, union deal. Yeah, yeah, right? And I was like, and my response is, what? And he's like, no, you, you got this. Like, you got this. And I was like, you know, like for, for a 15-year-old to tell me that I got this was mm-hmm. like, again, wise beyond his years. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was tough for us because we were dealing with with the pandemic and, and, and my wife's pregnancy. And I don't know when it exactly hit me, but it was just one of those where sooner or later, like we got to go back. Like I got to see my kids. I, I want to get back in the building. Like it was during lacrosse season. I want to go p- get on the field. Like you didn't even have a season, right? We had one week of, we had tryouts and then that was it. We had one week of lacrosse. And then that Saturday, it was like the Friday or Saturday. They were like, they said, we're not going back. And I was like, all right, so it'll be a week. You know, we'll still get the end of the season. And then we never got anything back. Right. Mm. And then, you know, during that whole time, what was it like to just give birth to a kid and then going through all that and then your summer? What was that like? It was the greatest slash craziest time of my life because, I mean, I've always worked with kids. I, I always, you know, taught classes in, in Kellenberg with the cross program and uh, and prep. And I, I always I always wanted to be a dad. I always liked working with kids. That's why I wanted to become a teacher. And I was so excited. But, you know, all that preparation of, like, talking to your friends and and chatting with other people, like, what did you do when your wife was due and all that stuff? Like, I didn't get that because it was just her and I hiding, hiding in this house. And also, um, our dog was dying in the process. So we lost our dog maybe two or three months before. So it was like, you know, just a lot of other things distracting us from, you know, what was really going on. And it was such an awesome experience. I mean, going to the hospital, my wife was so worried about me not being able to be in there with her. You know, they, they, let it, they let us in. She tested negative for COVID, so we were lucky enough that she could, you know, give birth without a mask. I kept my mask on in respect to the, the nurses, but uh, it was such a wild experience where it was just us two alone in this room, couldn't really talk to anybody, couldn't really, you know, you know, it was FaceTiming people in between pushes, right. you know, and it was, you know, at, at the end result, the day after my birthday, uh, my, my daughter was born and I, I couldn't. Oh, that's it. so great. When was, when's your birthday? My, I'm August 7th and now she's August 8th. Yeah, I was so. going to say deductive reason in your daughter's yeah, birthday yeah, is probably yeah. August 8th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, cool, man. Yeah, it was, it was cool. You know, my parents came over, we, we did a little birthday cake in the back and all of a sudden my wife's having contractions and mm. I was like, this, this is really happening. Right. And, I, and I, I wanted her to have the same birthday as me. I thought it'd be such a cool thing to, you know, I mean, I'm not having big birthday parties anymore. So we can have a pinata in the backyard, say it's for my daughter, but it's really for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, my, my mom died the day after I was born. I heard she died my podcast. 30th birthday, but my son was born February 1st. So February 1st plus February 10th is February 11th. So it kind of makes it okay. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But now we're taping this on, what is it? February 20th. We're almost a year into this. And it, it feels a lot different now, right? I feel like we're more tolerant because we're just so frustrated. Is it different for you now, the way it is now, especially now that high-risk sports are open and now that you're probably going to have a season? I mean, I, I'm struggling because I'm still at home. Like, our school, we're still virtual. We're, we're going back soon. So I kind of have been, been treating it the same way all the way through. You've never been in the buildings. I mean, I've been going. I, I announced the girls' basketball team, the varsity girls' basketball team. But the, so. you're not going there, like, day in, day yeah, out. You no. haven't been there at all, no, like, yeah. September. No, no. No, I haven't been back. Literally, March 18th was the last time I, I told, or the last day I was in the building. So it's going to be, like, a year. Yeah. So it, it's weird for me where, it's like, I still have that mindset, you know, where, where we still be cautious because since – Actually, since 2021 started, my mom contracted COVID, my dad contracted COVID, my brother now has COVID. 
My wife's entire family had it, so it was like you guys didn't have it. No, no, not yet. No, you're gonna have it. Nope, knock on wood. Nope. Um, I had it during the first impeachment. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It's pretty bad. Yeah, and and how are you feeling now? I feel good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's probably bad because I was I literally was like one of the first people to ever get it, and I didn't even know what it was. The only way I knew that I had it was that my son got sick, my wife got sick, my daughter got sick all consecutively and we were all out at the same time. I've never seen anything like that happen. So I knew it was something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I have an autoimmune issues. My my mom has autoimmune issues. Like we were really worried about it and uh, we were really cautious. We've been really calm about staying home and not doing much. And I think I was, we were, we were cautiously, you know, confident about everything. And then once, you know, my, my, my father uh, got contracted it uh, January 12th. My mom had it there two days later and it was like, you know, in seconds, it just snapped back to, whoa, you know, yeah. it was, it was crazy. We're now, we got our first vaccine shot not too long ago. And, uh, you know, now our school's opening up. So we're, we're preparing for, 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 for going back. I mean, my wife's been back teaching since, since November. So she's, you know, she's been going back, but you know, I'm, I've been home with, with my daughter just in the house every day. Mm. Yeah, that's also like a blessing in disguise that you're able oh. to see all that stuff because normally it'd be like, you have to get a sitter and then you only have, oh, but so much time. You've been able to see them, you know, see your daughter just grow up the whole time, right? It's probably the greatest thing to ever happen during the pandemic. I'm so fortunate that, uh, you know, we've, our family's been healthy and everything's been great. But, uh, I mean, I can't complain. I mean, I have the health of my family's healthy now. I mean, my wife's been healthy the entire time and I get to watch my daughter. It's, she'll be seven months in a couple of weeks and I've had every day with her. Yeah, listen, there's a silver lining that everything is, you could you could find positive in everything and, you know, just going back from all the way from March to now, where it's almost a year's time, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time of pause? A lot. I mean, I think before the, you know, before COVID hit, I wasn't, I wasn't a dad. I was just, you know, a husband and, uh, and a teacher and a coach. And I think since then I've, I've learned a lot about that responsibility where things aren't all, uh, aren't all based off of, you know, what, what's best for you, but what's best for your family. And on top of it, um, presence uh, of, you know, is, is you don't realize how important it is to have your kids around. And I, like, when I talk kids, I talk about my students where I think, you know, b- before that it was like, I saw my kids in class and, you know, I have, I have relationships with a lot of my students, but you know, you don't realize how much you value that and how much I appreciate it. And I mean, Jojo was such a good example of a student that I, I developed a really good relationship with, but I have that with a lot of students. And that's what I miss the most. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to spend every day with my wife, which some would argue is not the best thing to have. Um, but, uh, you know, I miss my kids. I miss seeing the kids every day. And, and teaching to, to a screen is one thing, but just those relationships, those conversations, the how you doing, like the jokes, the, the handshakes, all that stuff is what I miss the most. And, and appreciating the kids, appreciating the relationships we have and saying, saying how much you appreciate them. Like something that we've been saying in school since, you know, we lost JoJo and, saying how much you care about about each other, like saying I love you or saying I appreciate you. And I think that's something that I learned a lot, but even more in these past couple of weeks. Yeah. And we're going to go back down to memory lane because, you know, something that I remember from you and, you know, as me being developing myself as an adult, as a coach, I know when the first iteration of me coaching, it was for something completely different. I was just trying to get some money to get some Jordans, <laughs> right? So when I met you, you know, I think both of us were kind of impressionable because I was kind of already out the door, like mentally, because I just was there. And, and it was more so the totality of being at Kellenberg. But I know that you always had like a, such a deep impression upon me, which I never understood at the time. And, you know, I guess that's because I, I just never thought of it that way. I never thought about the impact that I had. 
definitely the second time around when I came back, why the, what was it like 2011 when I came back again, it was definitely much more of a purposeful thing because now I had more separation. Like even thinking about now I'm 40 or 34, we're not that too far away from um, age, but you know, when it was back then, it, it seemed like so far away. There was such a, a big divide, but you know, I want to talk about your passion of sports and just your passion of just like helping people and, and just having that, that impressionable soul of, of wanting to get to know somebody, just that curiosity of, you know, just in, being inspired. So having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? So I uh, grew up in Belmore, uh, went to Grand Avenue Middle School, played all sports. I was on the basketball team, was on the volleyball team, was on the soccer team, did track, went to Kellenberg, and was on the soccer team right away. And then I'll never forget this because it's it just talk about how everything uh, works out so well. I, uh, I was looking for a spring sport. I took the winter off. Uh, and uh, I played volleyball in middle school, and uh, I heard that Kellenberg had a volleyball team, so I figured I'd hop in and try it. What made you get go to Kellenberg, though? Oh, that that's that's interesting. That's that's a long story, but um, I, I had family. A lot of my cousins went. My cousin went to Chaminade, and his sister went to Kellenberg, and I went to uh, Kellenberg's graduation. I want to say it was two thousand one. You didn't graduate two thousand. No, ninety nine. I graduated. No. Was it ninety nine? My my cousin graduated. She was four years older than me. What's her name? Cashel's last name. No. Yeah, no, no. Um, I went to her, her graduation, and I, and I saw the, the camaraderie in the school, and I, and I just saw the way um, the school was ran, and, and it just it, it brought that community aspect to it. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I wasn't a big fan of what was going on around me with my friends around me. And you didn't I, want to go to MEPM? I did not want to go to MEPM. I, I actually, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to, to, to put this out there, but I didn't get into Kellenberg originally. I was uh, waitlisted. I, I guess somehow they, they, they saw something in me and then I got into Kellenberg and uh, I, I, want, I wanted to be there. I wanted, I wanted to change. I wanted something and I have to say it was the best decision I ever made. And, well, and even with my wife in the other room, I can still say this was the best decision I ever made was going to Kellenberg. Mm, yeah, and I mean, like, I feel this, well, I'm, I'm happy that my parents forced me to, even though we're still inextricably linked from the Kellenberg connection all the way down to the Uniondale connection. But, you know, I met you... By the time you were a freshman, and I just remember like this impressionable boy always asking me questions on the sideline. But, you know, I don't know what my what people's perception was like a player because I was so close in age. So I really didn't know how to act. So what was your recollection of, of trying out for the volleyball team? And then I experienced when you first started as a freshman. I will never forget. Well, there's one real first conversation I remember with you. I don't remember tryouts. I remember the first game of the regular season. And I know you don't remember this, but so. You know, Coach Vaughn has a rule. If you miss practice the day before a game, you don't play. And I, I use that with my kids. But I remember I had pneumonia. I made the team, and I had pneumonia. I was out a week. And I'm like, I'm making a horrible impression on this coach. I'm, I'm, I'm out a week. What am I going to do? So we go to Chaminade for first game. You remember that gym, how small that gym was? Yeah. How intimidating it is. Sure. Um, now we had, I'll never forget, we had those Kellenberg bags. And in there was my knee pads because I'm not playing. I'm a freshman on varsity. And we lose the first set. We get swept. Or, or no, we didn't get swept. I'm sorry. That's bad English. We, uh, we're losing. We're not playing well. And you come over to me and you go, yo, six, you played before, right? And I'm like, yeah. You're like, all right, put your knee beds on. You're going in. And I was like, what? I, I remember I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where my knee beds were. I didn't know where my bag was. And I went in. And I think I served the ball. I bumped the ball. I kept the ball up. And that was, that's my first memory of Kellenberg Volleyball. And from that point forward, it was you gave me the confidence 
to do stuff. How? How though? I want to know how. Because you wanted to know me. You gave me my nick, my first real nickname <laughs> that was not that wasn't relevant to anything about me. Like my, you know, I'm Daniel Joseph, so I was always DJ. That was my name, or Dan Dan the Garbage Man, all the all the cheesy you know names. But you gave me my first name. You're warm. We're warming up one day. I don't remember if it was a practice or a game, and you're calling out all these Italian names. You're going. Splendor, Splendori, Salentino, Salentino breadsticks, breadstick. That's your name. I'm like exactly <laughs> like that. And you and I'm like, I have a nickname. And that, that was my name. I was Sticks. That's what you called me. And I remember, and you're gonna probably laugh at this, but I saw you know your uh, license plate with the Pino 44. I wanted to be Sticks 12. It was gonna be my license plate when I became when I got when I got my license senior year, which I didn't do it. Uh, good. I'm happy you didn't. <laughs> but because uh, that- you see how how bad I'm still doing this thing. <laughs> Many years later. No, but you you always made an effort to, no matter what was going on, number one, to talk to me, but you kept it light. And I think as as a freshman on varsity, like I remember games where I was down to myself and you had Chris Blumenstetter, a senior, telling me, stop stop sulking, stop making that face. And I'm like, I'm in ninth grade. Like, I, I, I haven't hit puberty yet. I don't know. I don't you turned red a lot. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely remember that. Oh my God. I forgot. About you're turning that. red right now. That's, that's awesome. You turn red in the classroom. Never, <laughs> never. That's my element. That was not my element. Got you. But, uh, that's so I remember like just, you know, it was tough. Like, you know, I mean being a teenager now, like when I'm, I'm teaching, like I know what it's like to be in that position in ninth grade, you know, you're, you're finding yourself, you're, you're discovering yourself really yeah. and, and your spot, not even in the school, but in your classroom or in, in, in the world. And I, I, I was so, I was so young. I was a young ninth grader. And I think on top of it, like I had a lot of learning issues. I mean, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I had ADD and they didn't know. So I was that kid that was like struggling to get by and I was struggling to focus and struggling to get there. And I'm sure now that you remember me turning red, I'm sure you remember a lot of times the ball was going out and I would react late and it would hit me and and then we'd lose a point. Yeah, I remember there were some um, dorky aspects about you, but (laughs) I also thought it was endearing because you were just trying to find your footing. And I also understand how difficult it is to just acclimate yourself in ninth grade at Kellenberg only because... You know, I think there's a big difference between kids that go to Latin school and have that experience in seventh and eighth grade and then go to ninth grade. We have a an, a built-in advantage because when you're in ninth grade, it's just like deer in the headlights. Everything is so big. You've never been into school with big people like seniors. So it's it's a daunting task. And also, just to be on a varsity team in ninth grade, it, you have to possess a, a certain type of maturity. And also, even if you don't have that maturity, it's like you have to step in because you already see what's happening. So you have to just figure it out at that time. Yeah. Was that a lot to process? And do you think that it was a advantage, not aside from me, was you think it was an advantage that you were on a varsity sport so early on? Um, in in the moment it was it was overwhelming. I think I was again so young that I think I just I just went with the flow. Like whatever you said I did. You told me to run, I'll run. You tell me to to go get a ball, I'll get, like whatever it was, I just went with it. And I think as the years went on, I, I learned a lot. Like it's funny, like talking about those memories, like I remember Boomenstetter giving me a hard time. I remember him riding me because he was the you know he was a captain, he was a leader, and he was right. But well, he he used to ride everyone though, so I don't want you to feel oh I, he was crazy. Yeah, I, I never took it to heart. Yeah, I, I think because I'll tell you why. He was my teammate when he when he was a sophomore. I was a senior. Yeah, and he'd be riding people I'm like, bro, you're a sophomore. Shut up. We talking about stop being crazy. And I think in the, in the moment it was it was overwhelming, but I think. You know, as I was able to look back and really reflect, especially mm-hmm. by the time I got to become a senior and I was a captain, I really like there were you had to pick your moments where it's like there are moments where you need to do that, and moments you don't. And I think I'm a sponge, and I think with having my ADD, I struggled a lot to find my footing, find my my myself. But by the time I got the junior senior year, like I I learned what I wanted to do, 
what I needed to do as, as an upperclassman, as a future coach, as a future teacher. And a lot of the stuff that I learned in those four years, I took with me, you know, to where I, where I am now. Mm. So going back to that freshman year, that's the one where we were down 0-2 and we ended up winning. I, I do remember yep, that. Yep. What was that experience like winning a championship, being part of a championship, rich history of a program your freshman year and just ending your freshman year like that? It was at that point the greatest win I ever had. And I did not touch the court. As I told my wife, you were coming today. I, I was like, I'll never forget. We were in the Merch Marine Academy. We're down two sets. And, and we went on that run. And it was it was such a cool thing to experience because I, I, I didn't play. I, I watched. I didn't play either. So that makes you feel better. <laughs> but, you know, I, I cheered them on. I, I was clapping. I was I was focused. And I, I had, you know, specific memories. I remember, um, you know, uh, coach, was it Coach Trenacost, right, was the Chaminade coach? Mm-hmm. And his son was the, was the setter, and I remember they had a lot of big guys, and and I and I, I remember a lot of little moments and Boomin Setter's idea to serve underhand because they couldn't. They, do you remember that? He got that from me, man. Did he? Yeah. He goes, Let, let's serve underhand because they can't pass the ball, and like it was just those memories. I, I, I just stuck with me. Like I, it was such a cool thing, and and I was so proud to to be a part of it. And I, I know I didn't I, I didn't take credit. You know when they announced it on the announcements the next day, it wasn't like you know I won it, but I was a part of it. And I I like I remember another good thing that Coach Vaughn taught us was that it's never just the starting six that wins the game because you're only going to get better by the people you're practicing with. So as much as I was not hitting at them or, or, or blocking their hits or anything, I, I was digging up balls when they were, when they were, you know, practicing their offense or I was serving the ball on the court. And I, I, I felt like I was a part of the team, even if it was just a little bit. Mm. And it was awesome. Now going back to your sophomore year, do you remember anything from that year? I do. I remember discovering I had ADD my sophomore year. So I remember we, we had a playoff game at, uh, I can't remember where it was, but it was on telecare. And I uh, came off the bench, and the announcer goes, number six, Dan Splendori from Belmore, New York. And I serve the ball. I go on the court, and I just watch it land. And they go, I don't know what number six is thinking. And then, what's the blows? I get taken out. And I remember it was on, like, in the summer, and I looked at my mom. It's like, something's not right here. Like, that's not, you know, like, I, it's one thing if I struggled in the classroom because I didn't really love school. But if sports are where my issue is, something's not right here. And that summer, uh, we, we went to a, a neurologist and I he was diagnosed with ADD. So that was such a minor part of my life, but it's a, a real turning point. Yeah, I think that's a, a big turning point. And also, I just remember that even though you were very impressionable and very immature, I think you were very self-aware about your shortcomings, which I think is also a, just a mature thing to do um, when you are very young. What do you remember about your junior year? That was uh, that was the, my most fun year I ever had playing volleyball. Uh, I, I ran opposite. I, I was setting with uh, Tim Anunziata, another uh, Belmore Merrick guy, and we uh, we went all the way to the finals. And uh, we we played at Malloy College, where I ended up going my freshman year. Uh, after that, in college, but uh, we uh, we were up two nothing, and uh, I, I saw that that like I was it was in, in my grasp that championship. I, I had flashbacks of of Blumenstetter yelling at me, and and I had flashbacks of, of all the guys, you know, that, that freshman year team. And I, and I, I felt it. I just, I, I felt it. And then slowly but surely, unfortunately it unraveled. And do you remember the yellow card in that game? Yeah, I do. Do you remember what, do you remember what happened? Yeah, it was something with Anunziata. I remember. So the, uh, the I, I, I'll, I'll be real with you. I don't really think about it often because <laughs> it's like, we don't, I haven't coached boys since then. Yeah. So it's like so far beyond my, my recollection. I don't often think about it because I'm more so, Closer to the girls now, you know. Yeah, I um, it, I so when I got my uh, my position coaching volleyball, I reached out to Coach Vaughn, 
and we were chatting and I remember, I, I told her like, I'll never forget this game and this set. It was the third set, or maybe the fourth set, I apologize, it could be the fourth. But uh, the high ref was a, a woman from Belmore. I'm biking on her name right now, but she used to ref a lot and I think her daughter coached at Kelmer for a while. Do you remember the name? Um, Terry Westing. Yeah. Yes. And she was the high ref and uh, it was a controversial call. It was a tip or a net or something and it was called on us. Timmy didn't like the call. And uh, he started yelling at her. And I know her. She's from Belmore. She was at my church. Like, I know the family pretty well. And I was like, like Timmy, like, no, stop, stop. And I grabbed him. I don't know if you remember. I, I remember, I, yeah. I grabbed him. And uh, and he turned around. And I don't remember if he pushed me or hit me or something. And he got a yellow card. And that was the turning point. And, I'll, and I mean, that was, what, 2003. Mm. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I remember where I was on the court. We were on the right side. I remember it really well. And that was the turning point. And we unfortunately lost in five sets. And I'll Yeah, listen, I, I remember that game. Kind of vividly. I mean, I know bits and pieces, but I, I remember that particular moment vividly. And I do remember that at that point in my life, I was already going from Kellenberg from seventh grade all the way to still coaching there for like five years. So I had to have a separation. I wanted to go to grad school. I just wanted to get on with my life. And, you know, it was disappointing for me to not finish it out. And, and I think about this. The, there's this girl named Grace who now is, I want to say she's a sophomore or junior in in college now. She goes to Villanova. And I remember when I first saw her, uh, she comes to one of our open gyms and we were, I thought she was dynamite. I'm like, what grade is she in? And she's like, I'm in sixth grade. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. So I remember the running joke was, you know, sometimes when you just coach all the time, you start losing sight and you, you just get burnt out. So I remember by the time she was a sophomore, I'm like, when you're a senior, I'm done. I'm just going to wait for you. And that was like five years ago. So <laughs> it, for some reason, it's it's flipped that, you know, I appreciate it a lot more, especially like at this age, you can see the type of impression you can make on these kids. And, and that's like my favorite sweet spot of, you know, because I've always had offers of going to college or, you know, having my own program. But that's not what I want to do. I want to just stay where I'm at because I enjoy it. I enjoy the kids that I always coach. Uh, what was your senior like year like when um, when I wasn't there? Because I've never asked you. Different. It was a different vibe. Uh, just a, a di- It was still Coach Vaughn though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. But I don't, And I can't remember who the assistant coach was. That's sad that you don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but it, it shows you the difference. And uh, I remember Coach made me captain, and that was, you know, such an honor when you think about all the guys who were captains before. And yeah. like, it was such a, you know, like, this was a program. Like you said, Kellenberg was a, a really, really good program. And it was really, you know, we, we had success, and we were always one sportsmanship. And, and it was such a, a cool thing for me to become captain. And I remember uh, Ed Koz was uh was an up and coming setter he was learning and I, I remember I decided that I, I, I wanted to help him out and I decided to be the libero instead of set my senior year. And in hindsight I probably should have been should have set because maybe I would have uh you know maybe gone forward with it in college. But I, I remember playing libero um to give Ed Ed a, a shot. I wanted him to to play and to get that experience and I wanted to work with him and, and it worked out well because the year after I left they won with my little brother was a freshman. Talk about a little turnaround. My brother mm-hmm. was a freshman they won. But senior year was weird. It wasn't the same. It wasn't like there was a lot of seniors driving separately to games and the, the camaraderie wasn't there like it was when you were there. Mm. And it was, I mean, I would never blame the coaches because, I mean, Coach Vaughn is, I mean, awesome. But I think it was just the group of kids and the dynamic was different and it was different kids and, and I just felt like it was, a, what the camaraderie wasn't there like it was years past. But it mm. could, I mean, it could have been the team. It, could, it was a lot of things. You guys didn't win the championship? We lost in the semifinal and I, as a libero, I was out. I, I, was, I wasn't even there for the last point wow. in, my, in my career. 
I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't there either. So. <laughs> you were not there, but it, it's so funny the things you remember. And now that I'm now that I'm coaching, I have these flashbacks of, of being in the gym, and I remember those games. I remember those practices, and it's like it, it's like I'm never living in those moments. Like I, I graduated from high school, I'm not reliving those moments. But uh, I definitely keep those in my mind and use those as examples for my students where we'll talk about it. Like I'll never forget the game where we said the finals where somebody took back to a ref. Or I'll never forget that practice where we did six, eight-minute abs instead of doing work. <laughs> like that stuff. Like, you, you, that, like I said, I'm a sponge with that stuff. <laughs> um, it's really funny when I talk to the girls now and I tell them about those eight-minute abs and like we used to roll a VCR. They're like, what does that mean? <laughs> And I even think about like five years ago, there was this girl named Ashley on my team. This is the year we won the state championship. And um, she's in the, the cafeteria and she's like texting. And as soon as she sees me, she sees me from the peripheral. And then she probably thought that I was a teacher. And she like all of a sudden hit her phone. And I'm like, what was that? And she's like, oh, I thought you was a teacher. So she puts back her phone. And she's just like all relaxed. And I'm like, what was that? And she's like, well, you're not supposed to have your phone in the cafeteria during this time. I'm like, all right. And she's like, why, what did you do when you were a senior? I was like, actually, there was no cell phones. Yeah. And she was like, like she couldn't yeah. believe that there was a point in time that that happened. But going to your you know, college years, did you end up still playing um, any type of sports? Um, so I, I decided to go to Malloy College my freshman year. Um, and actually, Coach Vaughn went there. So we always chatted about that. And I, I knew I wanted to become a teacher. I, uh, I See, I really wasn't looking into sports. I didn't think sports was going to be my thing. Ironically enough, I played volleyball four years of high school, but it wasn't even my best sport. I was a hockey player. That was my sport. I did volleyball because I liked it. I went to Malloy College my freshman year. I didn't like it. I transferred to Binghamton, which I never, you know, high school Dan was not getting into Binghamton. <laughs> so I, I luckily enough transferred, you know, I got it all figured out. And I went to Binghamton and I played uh, club uh, club hockey for, for three years. And uh, they had a, a, a club volleyball team. And I went to the tryouts and they wanted me to set. And then all the guys on the hockey team got mad that I uh, missed uh, a Friday night party because I was with the volleyball team. So I, I actually used peer pressure against me and I decided not to do volleyball. So I didn't, I didn't touch volleyball for three years, mm. four years. Damn. So just being an educator, how'd you end up at Uniondale? Which is like, <laughs> I remember when you first told me, I'm like, you in Uniondale? Like what? I, uh, my, my mom started working in uh, the HR office when I was getting my master's and she said, you know, like my, my son's trying to become a teacher. Are you guys hiring subs? And I mean, every school needs subs. So I started subbing. Uh, I would, you know, practice regents and do all that stuff. And then the year I got my master's degree, I went to Hofstra. So I was able to like kind of go back and forth and, uh, uh they, they, a teacher was having a baby and needed like a, a one or two month leave, something like, you know, tiny. And I was certified already. So they're like, yeah, like come, come in. And I, I, I worked in, I taught like four or five classes a day and, you know, the kids, you know, respected me and I was able to kind of maneuver my way around the school and get kind of my feet at like together and ready to, to teach. And I, that was my first step. And then that summer I worked in the summer school and then that fall I had an English leave. And then all of a sudden I was in Uniondale for two and a half years. Uh, I taught ENL, I taught English, I was a... I, I, I uh, subbed in the business classes. I worked in the special ed department. I was like subbing here and there. And I uh, was able to kind of get my voice as a teacher. I was able to really f like find my way. And then ironically enough, they, they didn't have a job for me. I left. I gave up on teaching. I uh, managed a hockey rink. I was going to sell insurance. I was getting all these offers. And an off friend reached out and I started subbing in a special ed school, uh, charter school in, in the city, in, uh, in the middle school. Opened up in high school. And uh, ironically enough, it's where I met my wife. So it all, I kind of worked out. And then uh, my English director said that there was an opening coming up and to like, you know, check out on, uh, is it ASOP? I'm trying to remember, no. 
whatever the website is. One of those systems. Yeah. And I, uh, I interviewed and, and I've been at Uniondale now. This is year seven. Crazy. Crazy. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, it's crazy that I haven't coached you in like almost feels like 25 years now. You don't look any different than you I know, did right? when you were, how old were you in that? <sighs> 2003, 2002? 22, 21. I was a young boy. Young boy. Like, I also feel too, I feel sad that like, I didn't get to coach you when I'm this age. Cause it's like, just, just like bringing back how you were saying like, Oh, I made it light. I made it like, that's how, that's how me and Vaughn, like, and I couldn't identify it at the time because I just was young, I'm just yeah. acting young. But now it's like, I'm older and I keep it light. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm not a teacher. So they can tell me things. They could tell me about their boy problems. They could tell me about like parties or whatever they're doing. Yeah. You know, nothing crazy, but just more so of like, you know, I remember one time there was this girl, Trinity, uh, on my team and they had like this little end of the year speech and she was like, well, they just did a whole thing on different coaches and they were like, well, coach Ralph, you know, you lit and we just trust you with everything that we say. So yeah, that's it. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, I'm always honored that I could at least have a small imprint in, in young people's lives. When did you start getting your footing in coaching? And do you remember your, your first coaching experience? So I, I always used to coach with my dad. So he coached soccer for my little brother. So I was always on the bench or I was always on the field or on, on the rink with them. So I was always working with kids because I always liked, wanted to be a part of my little brother's day-to-day stuff. I was a little overbearing probably, but that was, I was doing that, you know, in middle school. Like my dad used to have like the little soccer kids running around and I'd be running around with them. After I left Hofstra, when I graduated, when I was subbing in Uniondale, I used to coach hockey every Friday night. We'd have six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, and I was I was Coach Dan, and that that was that was my identity for so long. I wasn't a teacher at that point. I was a sub here or there. I was getting called here or there, but I coached like every day. And then Fridays were our big days where our eight and old eight-year-olds and ten-year-olds would uh, would skate around on Friday, and that was like my first step. And I I had these kids. They're all talk about feeling old. They're all graduating high school now, and I had them when they were eight. But uh, that was my first step in, in coaching. And then uh, there's a travel hockey, roller hockey program that I helped run with one of my buddies. And we had teams from all, like, we'd play all over the East Coast. And then uh, that was like my first coaching, like, you know, consistently. And then about five years ago, I started at Uniondale with volleyball. And that's where all of these conversations kind of started coming in my head, where I remembered those experiences. And that's when I started really getting my feet wet with coaching, where very different when you're also coaching coaching girls is very very different very very different mm. and I learned that one I'll never forget my first game we, we I ever coached uh, it was before school started so it's my second year at Uniondale I mean obviously I'm familiar with with the district and I know the kids but I don't know my girls I don't know volleyball in Uniondale right and it's also not the same type of program that Kellenberg has it's much more of a developmental situation because <laughs> those athletes at Uniondale they either run track or they play basketball and I know those girls yeah because like I ref them yeah and I know the track teams because I'm from Uniondale so I already know that volleyball's probably like an afterthought right if you can even call it an afterthought I don't even think it's a thought mm. I remember going into that season, like, and I had a couple of juniors that were like taller than me. So I'm like, I got middles. I got a girl with hands. We got this. In your mind. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were a home game playing Farmingdale. Yep. My, my wife's there and five missed serves in a row. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. In my mind, I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you, like my first game, I, I just want to win. I just want to win a set. And I had this expectation of, of, I mean, you know, it's JV. We're not going to the championship game. There is no championship game. But an expectation of, of seeing some progress. And I lost more games that year than I did in my four years at Kellenberg. 
Like, and I mean, that's saying a lot about our program, but also uh, like the work I had to do. And that first year was a wake up call where uh, I needed to do a lot more than just volleyball. And when you have two girls arguing on the bench because one of them's dating their ex-boyfriend and you have a girl having a whole problem at home and then like, it, it's so much more than volleyball. And I think that's where, and I, and I would never say that I'm doing the jobs of both, but that's where coach Vaughn and you kind of morphed into what I'm doing. And as a JV coach, I don't have an assistant. Right. So when I'm, you know, getting the lineup in, I don't know what they're, you know, I don't have anybody else calming them down or seeing what's going on. Like I'm doing both. So we have a girl missing a serve and crying about it. I'm subbing her out as I'm putting the new kid in and telling them where they're going. And she's crying on the bench. And it's like, oh my God, what, what did I get myself into? And my first year was a wake up call. And I, I actually have a, a Google doc where I keep track of the sets, the wins, the losses, the captains, the pictures of, of the kids to like see the progress. And the first year was, like I said, a, a culture shock for me. And then the second year, I had, you know, returning players now, so then they knew what I needed. So now I had some, some consistency. I had some girls who knew what I was looking for, knew what to do, and now they were growing. And then the year after that, then I had, you know, it, then I had now, where I had a base now, where I, it wasn't a blank canvas. Now I have this. And uh, it's pretty cool. Two of my girls that I had the last two, the my second and third year stopped by the house two days ago. My first girl that I ever had that played in college, she stopped by. And the other girl who was from my first team ever, she gave me a candle at her Sweet 16. She's uh, in her second semester of college now. She just graduated. And, like, those are the bonds that I developed with those kids. And that was that was half of it. Like, I know you're doing something right when the kids want to talk to you after school. Like, you know. I mean, even though you're on the other end of it, you're not the teacher. Well, now it's easy because you could text them and you could DM them and yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. But when they want to talk to you when they're talking to their friends in the hallway, that's when you know you're doing something right. Yeah, 100%. But it's not. That wasn't my goal, right? Like That was part of it where I want them to want to play for me. Because like you said, in Uniondale, volleyball is an afterthought. We're a phenomenal basketball program and and, and track is, is off the charts. But when you think Uniondale, you don't think volleyball. And, I'm, and I told Definitely them, not. That's what I, I want to start building a culture here where, you know, the first year, I think we had four wins. We beat Westbury and we beat Hempstead. Then year two, we had five wins. We beat Westbury, Hempstead, and then we, we stole a game from Freeport. And then my third year, um, you know, then we started, we started, you know, really making a splash. And then that last year, this is the 2019, 2020s. No, yeah, 2019 technically it was because we didn't play at all in 2020. 2019, we had a winning record. We, uh, we were 10 and six. And it was, you know, the pride, the, 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 the proudest moment of my life. Like, obviously now becoming a dad is one thing, but to be able to take a, a bunch of girls who don't really play volleyball, like they might have played in middle school, but you know middle school volleyball, it's who can keep the ball up in the air longest wins, you know? But we went 10 and 6 last year, and that was like just the proudest moment where everything that I did led them to it. Like, obviously they did it, and they thank me. I go, no, 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 no. I gave you guys the tools, you use them. And that's where it all came together, and it was like, just, just the coolest moment. I mean, you, as a coach, like you, you can take credit for it, but it's not all you. I mean, it's, it's the kids that are doing what you're asking them to do, and when they learn, and when they're, and when they tell you they see something, it's, it's beautiful. Like it, it's, it's the most amazing thing, right? I can I, experience. I can empathize with a lot of the things that you're saying, especially just being on the girls' side of coaching volleyball with the boys. It was always a transition of like it was already a story tradition before I even played. So I just continued the tradition when I played, and then. It was just continuing as you came there. So we always had a bit of success. The girls' team, not so much. It wasn't the same. It was kind of similar to how you had it really? right now. Yeah, but we never won anything. I mean, um, I want to say 2001, maybe right before you went to the school, we did make the state championship, and that was when 
whoever made the league finals were able to go to the state championship. But then it was like we were at the bottom of the barrel for the longest time up until when I came back in 2011. And I just came there because I just randomly saw Coach Vaughn running at Long Beach. And I was like, you know what? I want to get involved. I want to see what it's like again. And, you know, like I mentioned to you before, it's a lot different when you're older. You have a lot more perspective in life. And at least for me, I had a lot of time away from Kellenberg. So it meant different things to me. But when we came back, we were like undefeated up until like the championship game, which was like, you know, incredible to me. Then the next year we won the league championship. And now like we won seven or whatever, how many we've won. And, you know, it's weird because it's basically a culmination of just like hanging in there and just learning all the different things that you learn. Because, you know, as much as you might be frustrated in a two win season, um, not even being able to get the ball over the court slowly, but surely things just kind of crystallize and you say like, well, we can lean on these things. So like now, you know, me and Vaughn, not to say that it's a running joke, but we literally know the gauges of like where we need to be game one, game three, game five, game seven, right before, like we just know because we've won so many times. And that's not because we're gloating that we win all the time. We just put so much work in that we understand what needs to be done in order for you to be a champion. And, you know, I think that's something that the parents really take serious, that they already recognize that we've won championships before. We know what it takes. So, you know, that's why it's it's not a situation where they're just kind of like imposing their will, which often happens in basketball. You know, just going back to that, I just want to give you the opportunity to just talk about your mentors that you've had, uh, who inspired you to become a coach, who became inspired you to become a teacher. Um, just I want to give you the opportunity to just talk about those people that uh, have done so much in your life. Well, I would say my dad. I mean, my dad was a football player growing up, always wanted me to play baseball and football. You know, two, two sports I didn't play growing up, baseball and football. He just, must, you must have broke his heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever sport I, I picked up, he wanted to know about. So hockey was big in my town. So dad, you know, learned about hockey. Um, soccer was the first sport I ever played. Dad was my coach. And I think, you know, my dad taught me a lot about life, but also taught me about, uh, you know, about coaching. And it was just something that, you know, he, he always wanted to make sure everybody got an opportunity. So no matter who you were, you everybody got an opportunity to play. And the person that got played the least was always the coach's son in his mind because he never wanted it to be my son against favoritism. So right. he always spread the wealth, always put us in a position where we were never going to be scrutinized or, or, you know, parents were never going to have anything to say because, I mean, you know, as as a ref, you know, that the parents are the worst sometimes with that stuff. So my dad really, really instilled in me, I mean, a lot when it comes to just life and just more of of treating people the way you want to be treated and treat people the right way and you'll get it in return. And I think that kind of spilled onto, onto sports where, you know, no matter if it was on the hockey rink, which is where I, I really, really, really had a lot of success or on the, on the soccer field, which is, was my main sport my entire life. And then on the volleyball court was where, you know, I could be the best setter. I can be the best passer, but you need everybody to succeed. And I think that's where he really started me with that, you know, that team, that team mentality. And then hockey is really such a, a cultured sport where you, you're never as big, bigger than the team. And it was always more of, you could score four goals but when you get off the rink and you give up five, you lost. So you need the team to succeed. And I think that's kind of where it started with him. Cause he was mostly my, my only real coach. I had him for soccer for a while. I had him for hockey here or there. And he was really the one that started it. And I think obviously you're here with me now, but I, I really think, you know, you and Vaughn really made such an impact on me. And I, I feel like it sounds so informal, Coach Vaughn, because um, I have such respect for her. But you guys really, now as a coach, really made me realize what worked when I played. Because, I mean, not all of it worked. What didn't work. And, and I really think that those experiences really, really molded me into 
the success I have now. And I don't like to sound like that because, I mean, I, I haven't done anything crazy, but I think that the fact that, you know, volleyball is a growing sport in our school and the fact that, like I said, 10 and 6, like I'm wearing that like a a, a badge on, of honor. I think that's a success, 100%. And, and I anybody who ever talked to me knows that we went 10 and 6 because yeah, I'm listen, so proud of it. So. I remember like maybe your first year doing it, your formative times of uh – being at the helm of your your volleyball team, I remember you were asking us questions. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know what this guy got into, man. Like maybe if it was like Our Lady of Mercy or like another school, I was like Uniondale. That's not the school. That's not the school to play volleyball. But hey, you made it work, right? You you leaned on things that we at least we we, we thought we we taught you. Yeah, I mean it's there, there's 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 nobody you can't work with, and I think that's what the mentality is in education as well, where it's like there's never one like you they can't learn or they can't do something. Every kid can do it. It's more of taking, getting it out of them and getting them out of that comfort zone or sometimes making them feel comfortable and putting them in a position where they're comfortable. So like as you know, a, a coach and we having freshmen now it's JV. So it's a little bit different, but you're a vulnerable kid playing volleyball where one mess up, everybody's looking at you. So I have freshman girls who I warn them, like, I'm not going to throw you into a game. Like, Coach Ralph did in 2000. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that to you, but like, right. I'm going to warn you. Like, I'll give you a heads up. Like, how are you feeling today? You, you feel like you want to try this today? Oh, I don't. I'm like, okay, it's fine. But I'm going to put you in a position where no matter where the rotation is, you're going to know where to go, and you you know you're prepared to go. Mm. So it's more like, you know, you, we may play a team with a really good server because on JV, it's whoever has the best servers usually win. Like, there are going to be games where we may ha- come against a server who's really good, or maybe we're all off, whatever it is. But we're always going to be in a position. To, to to know what to do and to succeed. And it's more of what we're going to do as a team. And I think that's more from Coach Vaughn where she was always prepared. And that's where it was. She taught us everything from hitting, setting, passing, rotations, everything. She, we were always prepared for every practice and every game because she put us in every scenario. And I think that's what I took from her where I mean, the difference, like when I came in and as a freshman, like you didn't do a rotation. Whoever was in the middle set the ball. I didn't know what, you know, you know, where the outside hitter went, where the middle hitter went, where the libero, you know, I didn't know that stuff, but Coach Vaughn taught us. And I'm dealing with the same thing where girls who may not even play in middle school, a girl that I may have seen in the hall, and be like, you should come for volleyball because you're tall or you can run or you're like, I see something in you that I think you should come. Like these kids don't know. So it's, you know, it, we have tryouts coming up and once tryouts like are done and my team is set, it's, we're going into rotations and, and, Outside hitters, where do you go on the court? I make them all run to the left side. Like doing those things and preparing them is 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 all we can do. And there's the first step. So what's going on right now? So your volleyball season is what going to be like three weeks, and then you go right into lacrosse. Uh, it's supposed to be five weeks. I want to say we we our first week of tryouts is March first. We'll have the team decided by the end of the week, and then our first game is the tenth. So March tenth is the first game, and the last game is April. 15th. And then right after that, it's lacrosse. And it's right into lacrosse. Interesting. All this time as you've been a coach and as you've been a player and you've had that experience with a referee in your town that gave you a yellow card your junior year to lose a championship. It was. I, didn't, I never received the yellow card. It was, it was Timmy that received it. I haven't heard that in so long. I remember because me and Ken Greco were, were friends for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, I remember you, got, you were close with Kenny. And um, he'd be like, Timmy, man, just just rob me of that championship. He would always say that. It's like, whatever, man. It's cool. I, I, before you go on, I just say I was very jealous that you got very close with Ken because you knew me longer. I was, was better, a little bit older. so jealous. <laughs> so cool. jealous. Hey, we could be cool now, man. All right, cool. um, but what was your perception of refs this whole time playing and, and being a coach now? Well, I don't know if you know, I, I refed hockey for years. Mm. So I have so much respect for a referee. And partly because it was the way my, my dad raised me. I go back to my dad where you treat people the way you want to be treated. And if, if you're not going to treat the referees the right way, you know, 
number one, where's that getting you in life? In life or in this game. If I give you a hard time the whole game, you're gonna be like, he was really mean to me, so now I'm gonna change all the calls. But also, what I think nobody really understands is that this is human error where things happen. And I think referee is the worst job to have. How about refereeing? How about basketball referees at Uniondale High School? How do you feel for them? I would, if I can give them a hug, I would have every <laughs> game because it's so overwhelming. I had to, and it was the, the senior game last year. I was the senior class advisor. So before the game, they do like a little like ceremony. And I mean, I'm pretty comfortable in front of the kids. I feel like that's like my element. I mean, apparently I got read before here, but with you, but you know, when it went in front of the kids, like this is my element. So I'm confident I'm, I'm Splendori, I'm Splenda, whatever they call me. But I had to grab the mic and I had to announce the seniors in front of all these kids. And you don't realize how big it is. To with the band to there, with Coach D yelling. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, crazy out he, there. He's another, he's another, he's amazing. Cheerleaders in the bleachers. Oh, and, and then everybody who's anybody is there. And every every move is scrutinized. And I feel like the refs. All my friends that went to Lawrence Road are still there. <laughs> but you think about all those, like, you think about the refs, I think about, like, the kids on Uniondale, where it's, like, one bad play and everybody's watching and everybody's a critic. But I think as a referee, I mean, it's, it's a thankless job. Because no matter what you do, you're never going to be appreciated. And I think as a ref, as a hockey ref, because it's a little different because you're, you're in the play, my, I was always taught to, you always want to make sure you, you never want to be seen. Where if they can ref a whole game and nobody even noticed you out there, you did a good job. Because with pucks getting in the way or, or whatever the case is, like you don't want to have a puck go off your leg and go in the net. That's like the worst feeling in the world. Mm. I think it's, 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 it's such a tough, a tough position to be in where you have to try and make the right call at all times. But then also, I mean, if, if we're going to be honest here, I, don't, I think Uniondale doesn't get the respect it deserves in certain elements of, of, of refereeing where you have sometimes, if, you, if we really want to talk about it, it's, it's kind of, I don't, want to, I don't want to use the term racism, but there's a lot of perceptions or beliefs with Uniondale. And I've had my experiences, even as a, as a volleyball coach, where a couple calls were questionable and they seem to always go against Uniondale. Mm. Where it always seems that, oh, we want to get out of here, so let's call that game a little differently. So I think there's there's some truth to the implicit bias that that has. And, you know, it's easy for me because I'm from the neighborhood. So I have grown up playing at Coast Neck Park. I grew up yeah. playing at California Avenue. I grew up with those kids that ended up playing at Uniondale High School. Those are my friends, you know what I'm saying? So I think for me, I learned the opposite way. I thought I had a different implicit bias of like just – white people and, and different things. So that's what, what I learned at Kellenberg. So when I'm at Uniondale, that's like my home. That's how, that's my, that's my comfortability. So I'll always say this in, in refing, right? So if, if you have a police officer that is from Levittown and then his first assignment is in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, I mean, they're not going to be able to serve the community the same way, right? Yeah. But if you're from Uniondale and you've played basketball all your life and now you're refing it, it's going to be a lot easier for me to understand, you know, and obviously I know Coach D because he was my gym teacher when I was in sixth grade, but you get what I'm saying. So just think about, also you have to understand sometimes referees, especially like at varsity level in Nassau County, this is like their first big game sometimes. Yeah. So it's like they, they go from, you know, middle school games, there's no shot clock, JV games where sometimes like, I remember this last year. I had a game in New Hyde Park. It was a varsity game. It was like them versus Herricks. And it was senior night. Everybody in the whole neighborhood was there. As soon as that game was over, the JV team came. Everyone left. Yeah. Like roaches. And that's what a referee's reality is up until they move. So imagine that you're, you're, so in, you're in the gutter, right? You do middle school and then you do JV games where there's maybe, if you're lucky, the family of the kids that are playing, maybe some more, more fans. But, you know, varsity is where it's at. And you know how the energy is 
in Uniondale is, is incredible. It's just incredible. And, it, and for me, it's an honor for me. But there's also some other referees that this is their first experience, and I call it smoke. You know, it's smoke. Yeah. It, it, it is smoke. I mean, the, the fans are saying whatever they want to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coach D is, you, know, you got to pay attention to Coach D. And you got to ref at a high level. So you, you got to manage all these things. So it, it's a difficult thing. Having said that, I know you do have experience doing hockey. Would you ever referee anything else? Like we were joking around before. I don't think I could sit ref a volleyball game. I, I, I couldn't either. I, I just, I, I don't know. It, 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 even just my facial expression, like, no, <laughs> no. Like I, I love coaching it and I'd love to play it. I, I couldn't. How um, about basketball or baseball? I, I can't sit through a baseball game at all. So I, I, and that another one talk about, I think that might be the toughest because you have your, your own strike zone, but I think basketball is the toughest. Basketball is rough. I think basketball is rough because there's so many, there's about 200 decisions that you have to make a day like in a game. And if I'm at Uniondale and they're playing Freeport, if I make a call against Freeport, Uniondale's going to be happy and Freeport is upset. Yeah. And you can hear them because everyone's happy in Uniondale. But if I make a call against Uniondale, not only Coach D is going to let me know about it. Everybody in the building is, yeah. even if it's obvious, like even if it's obvious that they did something wrong, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it's, it's a crazy thing where, I mean, everybody has an opinion. Yeah. I think the opinions aren't they're they're biased yeah. and it's we're looking at it like even now like as as a hockey fan or as or as a Knicks fan unfortunately you know you watch a game and it's like clearly a foul clearly a trap like not everybody can be that open to to the reality I guess I mean it, it's such a crazy thought to look at a game and it's like clearly you traveled what is LeBron James we're not going to call it no no no, no. <laughs> travel to travel I don't care who you are and it's insane to me that you have so many people that do that but I, I just I'm, as I said, I'm the announcer of the of the girls' varsity basketball team at Uniondale, and I'm now in basketball game. What's those two girls? Uh, what's their names? Um, what, the one's younger and the other one, the, the two small guards. What, well, what's their name? The, both of them, Taisha Williams is the only one that's left. Everybody else graduated. They have, they, they're four Damn. and five. Yeah. A lot of them graduated. But, uh, they used to always be so mad at me. They're like, <laughs> when you going to call something? I'm like, you didn't get fouled. Like, what do you want me to do? But that, and, and like I said, now that I'm back in basketball again, because I got cut from Kellenberg's team in freshman year, and I want to talk about it. But, I mean, I gave up on basketball. And, you know, I always watch the Knicks, but, you know, it's, it's different than high school ball. But now that I'm watching basketball games now and I'm announcing, you watch the games. It, it There's so much going on, especially in the paint. I mean, and then the fact that the, I mean, the, it feels like the court's smaller. It feels like everybody's more compact and, and everybody's tighter on defense. Like it's less open than in the NBA. And you, I, I just, I wonder half the time how, how they do it. And I think it's such a, and I, I think it's just such a tough thing where I feel like there's, there's so much to it. And, 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 and just the ticky tack fouls and all and everything. Like I just find it it's so tough to do. Yeah, It's I, terrible. I can't imagine doing it. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a teacher and as a coach? Fortitude. Fortitude. Like just pushing through no matter the struggles, no matter the doubts, no matter the opportunities or lack thereof. Um, I always knew this is what this was my dream. Some people dream to do a lot of other things. My dream was to be a teacher, to be a coach. And I take such pride in being a teacher at Uniondale High School and to be, be a coach. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and ultimately where do you want to go as a teacher and as a coach? Well, I've always said I have aspirations of being the varsity volleyball coach. I always thought it would be such a cool thing to, 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 to be like Coach Vaughn and Coach Pino, not Coach Ralph. But like to have have that where you're at the highest level. Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I, I don't have aspirations to go to college because then I miss out on coaching. I mean, not teaching. 
So I always had that aspiration to be in the varsity coach and, and to, to start a program and really build a culture of volleyball where I would like to leave. My legacy would be that I left Uniondale as not just a basketball school. Mm. Maybe a little lofty goals, but it's something that I, that that's my, my, my real goal. In, in, in coaching. Your goal is to scrimmage us one day. That's what I, that was going to be. When I interviewed for the varsity spot, I was going to say, I have, I have the contacts of people <laughs> that, uh, that coach. Uh, yeah, I'm sure coach Vaughn, she's really, really good at the scheduling. So she could probably give you some pointers of how to get some good teams. who will move you right along very fast. Well, yeah, we, I can, we'll use, uh, need a lot of help. <laughs> Man, listen, I, this has been great. You know, I really appreciate that we've, at least intermittently stayed in contact and, you know, moving forward, we'll definitely stay in contact, man. This is dedicated to JoJo Wright, somebody that has meant so much to the community, Uniondale, and you personally. But I thank you, man. I'm so happy and honored that whatever I said to you, at at least you can impart that to to a newer, younger generation of kids, man, because it's, it's always important to give back. It's always important. And as much as, you know, I think that somebody like you, I think in the beginning, Maybe like when, when you first told me like how much of an impression, I was like, there's no way. I Like I coached this guy like 20 years ago, but I do understand like, especially like as the girls that I've coached have gotten older. Like one of them has five kids. Another one is like, you know, like a, a high powered lawyer or anybody in, in any walk of life. It's just good to know that they still remember those moments because, you know, it's it's so impactful as much as you think even the small things that you do, obviously big things like winning a championship will always be something that you remember. But even those little things, those little interactions, those always matter because you never know how much um, how much of an impression you can make on somebody and how much it inspires them to do that to the younger generation. And I think you're living proof of that. So I thank you for all of the contributions that you have in coaching, in teaching, bringing that new generation. And I wish you continued success in all the things that you do. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? I have to say thank you to you, man. You uh, you really made an impact on uh, on this little dorky little kid from Belmore <laughs> that uh, I never really found my way. And I think you know having you your support and and having you giving me uh, that confidence to to kind of push through when I when I didn't know to. And I think you know like as you're saying that, I think to myself like you know these experiences nobody realizes what's going on on a teenager. And I think you know you you always want to give everybody that opportunity to, to feel something and to feel, feel positive and have, have a, uh, you, you always want to leave a conversation with, like, I, I really appreciate that person. And I think as you kind of, you know, talked about the pandemic where, you know, what, what are we leaving from this is what impact are we making on others? And not everybody's going to love us. Not everybody's going to appreciate us, but you want to give that, that opportunity where, um, I, I did the, I did the right by others and maybe I made somebody's day happier. I made it made somebody's day better. And, and uh, made them feel feel comfortable, and I think that's kind of uh, what we all kind of need to do is look at the world now. Is what are we doing to help others? Because helping yourself is only getting you so far, as we can see with with the pandemic and, and COVID spreading. Where uh, what are we doing to help others, not just ourselves? Mm. I, I completely agree, and I think that if you have gotten a candle at a Sweet Sixteen, you're definitely doing the right thing, man. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Dan Splendori, go Uniondale, go Knights. This is Ralph the Ref. This is the rant. We are signing out. Peace.